each farm is going to produce with local ingredient and only sell in their locality. So if you see it like, if you zoom in, basically you only see one farm selling locally, but if you de-zoom, you can see that all those farms spread around the world do the same. So basically we can still have this uh, global reach. In my last interview, I interviewed Dr. Clapper, where he was talking about helping medical students get trained in plant-based nutrition. So part of creating the Vegan World documentary and this e-series is focusing on the bigger picture. So the question is, when there's 8 billion people in the world, how do we get them to shift to vegan? So obviously not everybody's going to shift vegan, but to get the close as possible to that number, I like to focus on the bigger picture systems changes. So when I came across your LinkedIn profile, it's about shifting from the dairy industry to plant-based milk. So just kind of starting off before we get into your company, what you do specifically, just maybe the bigger picture of what does it take at the systems level to shift the world completely off of dairy milk to plant-based milk? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it, there, there needs to be different, um, lots of different ways um, to get to this point and different solutions and different models. Um, and I think it's great because it's moving more and more into this direction and more and more organization, company, individuals are doing things like that to, to help move towards this, this goal. Um, in terms of more governmental um, you know, help and things like that, I think um, it's like more things is um, they will only help and follow once you know, there's really most of people already want to go into this direction and then they will follow and put help in place and things like that. That's also why um, I created what I created um, without such help. Um, that's usually what has to be done is that it takes organizations, individuals or company to make them first steps themselves to try different solutions, to propose new models, um, to, to get to a solution that could work. And then all the other things would fall in place, you know, there will be more demand and then we can get more um, help from the government or from other organization um, in general. Um, and so for, for the milk industry in particular, um, or it, it just in, in my opinion, just for any type of farming, like animal farming, um, what they mostly need is a new business model. Um, if we want them to stop um, exploiting animals, the most of them <clears throat> really like doing what they do. They really like uh, like you know, it's their family heritage the farm it's like they grew up on it um, it was in their family for years and years um, they like usually um, you know caring for the animals obviously I'm more talking about small medium-scale farms not factory farms that's another problem uh, but if you go more with family businesses you know that that have you know this kind of uh, farms um, they really like this so it's it's really difficult for them to think that when it doesn't work or if they want to shift, they need to give this all up and do something totally different, you know, sell the farm and do something different. So I think it's great to, to help them uh, find a way to continue, you know, keeping the farm, even being with animals um, and all the things, but in a way that is more ethical, more sustainable, um, and just to show them other solutions because, you know, when you're in it, 
for your whole life and your family, it's, it's really difficult to take a, take a step back and just think about, you know, oh, how could we change that? And most of them don't have all the resources or knowledge um, about what's happening, for example, in the plant-based industry. So I think it's um, our responsibility as, as companies, organization um, to really give them solutions, try solutions and, and, and just, yeah, help them in this way. Interesting. It's, I love how like all my interviews, I'm sure you haven't seen all of them, but are their time together where I see there's this street activism builds the interest in plant-based and there's companies like Beyond Meat, Oatly and different things like that, that fill the demand. And then the government, I interviewed a politician. She said, now there's a place for the government to be able to change the laws and legislation around the demand. So it's really cool seeing all the different pieces tie together and make us feel like we're not alone. So I guess for people just tuning in, I know more about your projects and maybe introduce who you are, what your project is and specifically what you're working on. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my name is Geraldine. I'm the founder of a company called Refarmed and we're um, transitioning dairy farmers to, uh, so from animal milk to plant milk production. We are helping them with a new business model and we provide um, them all the everything that is needed for that so we provide them with the equipment the recipe we handle distribution we really handle everything around it so they only focus on producing the milk and we also um, uh, ask them to keep the animal to become an animal sanctuary so they really focus on the farm the animal animals and production and so we are handling all the rest um, so we they're basically manufacturers for for our product in this case um, that's really how we do it. and we really focus on uh, um, sustainability is like a major thing so the product we are creating in this case we are started with oat milk is going to be made only with local ingredients only sold locally uh, in glass re uh, bottles that we reuse that we use again that we take back clean and reuse um, and so this is really important for us um, to really keep it like this and the recipe we also try to make it as you know natural um, artisan uh, farm fresh milk um, so we really don't use any additives or even we don't even use oils or added sugar in it we really try to keep it as natural as possible and want to kind of recreate this um this uh, you know feeling you could have when before you would go to a farm to get your fresh milk or your fresh cheese like to create the same thing but more you know more compassionate and more sustainable by producing plant-based products it's amazing. I was just shopping for plant-based milks for my coffee and I just, I'm starting to read the ingredients because I went from junk food vegan to transition to more whole foods plant-based. And then I look at the ingredients, it says organic milk on the front, but then it's like, there's some sugar, there's some syrups and sometimes oil. So like when I saw your website, when you do, I was like really glad something like that exists, especially in, if I mix it in with something. So um, yeah. I think your website is a graphic. I might put it in the video when I edit it, but there's the centralized i guess factory farm or centralized creating the plant-based milk and i guess there's distribution versus your model um huge maybe i put the graphic up if you kind of talk along those lines yeah the benefits yeah, of that so yeah we're trying to explain how our model works because usually uh, like food brands that would create, I don't know, plant milk, for example. Um, well, they create a product, then they build factories and then they distribute it usually even around the world. So, and they, be, they, they build bigger and bigger factories. Sometimes they build other factories like one per continent or things like that and then ship everywhere. Uh, what we're trying to do here is to still be global. So to be able to have the same reach, to be able to, um, to sell products around the world, 
But instead of doing this way, we're doing it in a decentralized way in the sense that instead of building huge factories here and there and shipping around the world, we're working with small to medium farmers to become the manufacturers. So each farm will only do a certain limited quantity, obviously. So it's still going to be an artisan, fresh, handmade product. But uh, because we're going to be working with a lot of farmers, we really want to have a scalable model where we can work with as many farmers as possible. Um, it's basically going to be so that farmers, like the products are going to be avail available in everywhere. Uh, but each farm is going to produce with local ingredients and only sell in their locality. So if you see it like, if you zoom in, basically you only see one farm selling locally, but if you de-zoom, you can see that all those farms spread around the world do the same. So basically we can still have this uh, global reach. Um, obviously, depending on where the farm is, it's going to probably going to be different products because it's going to be made with different ingredients because we only use local ingredients. So local to the farm and sell locally. So we really want to develop a range of products depending on that. We're really starting now with the UK and then we're going to uh, spread to Europe and then uh, after that furthermore. But we're really going to be always keeping it local, although we are trying to be global. Amazing. I see you check all the boxes. There's a health, there's the environmental aspect as well as obviously the animals. So what got you started in this? Like what brought your attention to it? Why do you want to make the change? Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a personal story. I, I've been I've been uh, vegan for 10 years now. Um, I'm initially from the hospitality industry. So I worked in business and management in hospitality industry in France, where I'm from. Uh, but there it's, you know, it's very meat and dairy heavy. So when I was working, you know, in restaurants and hotels, it was all about that. Um, and so when I, I became vegan for ethical reasons, I really struggled continue working in that. So I, I quit and I, I started working on different projects that were more aligned with my value, created a, a vegan online shop in France, um, working on green event um, planning company. We even tried to build a sustainable village in Portugal with, with other people. So we had lots of different projects like that. Um, and on the side, I became a software developer to, you know, to make money and <laughs> to be able to sustain myself. But I always wanted, you know, to do something that was more aligned to my value and that has an impact on animal exploitation. That's my main goal. Um, and so something I always wanted is to have my own, you know, to build my own animal sanctuary. Um, but I really struggled with the current model of animal sanctuaries because they rely so heavily on, you know, donations, on volunteers to run. I have friends who have, um, who have sanctuaries and they just struggle every month to make sure, you know, it's going to work out. Uh, most, most of the cases, they rent the land, so they, they, they are at risk to being expelled as well. What happens to the animals after that, you know? Um, and also the problem is we cannot just continue saving all these animals if the farming industry continues to produce them by the billions each year. It just doesn't add up. At some point, we cannot. And we're using more resources to save those animals from an industry that is already very uh, uh, resource consuming. So I really wanted to kind of combine both and um, and to create a sort of a self-sustainable sanctuary model. Um, and there was a time in France where it's still the case where like the farmers and the vegans are not going alone at all. Like there was even like, I would say like a war between them where, you know, farmers would uh, come and interrupt vegan events with their meat and stuff. And, and vegans would, you know, start spraying on, on butcher shops and on the farms or, you know, destroying things. So there was really the thing where farmers would believe, you know, it's because of vegans, they're struggling and other way around. Um, but I really struggled with that because for me, you know, veganism is about compassion for everyone, not just animals. Um, I understand the difficulty, but I mean, most of us were not born vegan, so it's 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 easy to judge, you know, and just uh, 
say the other person is bad just because they're not vegan, but trying to understand why it's like this, why it's different for them, why, you know, they grew up in this and for them, it's normal. They've been taught since a child that this is normal. Uh, and and even that you can be proud of this because you're feeding the country and all the things. So it, it's really difficult to just say they're, you know, they're bad people and, you know, they don't deserve anything or something. So uh, that just got me thinking, oh, well, that farms could be actually the perfect places for sanctuaries because they already have the, the infrastructure, they already have the animals, they already have the people that know how to care for these animals on a daily basis, which most of us vegans don't know how to do, you know, um, because most of them treat them okay, you know, treat them correctly and, and love them, really love them. There's a disconnection clearly because they need to see them as, uh, you know, as commodities. They need to put a value on them because that's what they do, but they still care for them. So. I hope that by shifting this this uh, perception they have on the animals by making them turn into sanctuaries, they don't have this weight anymore on their shoulders, you know, as to have to see them as they need to produce more. So it will really recreate the link between them where they just see them as being there for no reason and just care for them on a daily basis. So this relationship would develop differently. And in my opinion, farmers are the best advocates for our movement because if they say it's wrong, Nobody can tell them, you know, otherwise they know exactly what what that, what this industry is and, and because they've been in it. So that's like my my little goal behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, so the, the whole thing was like this. So, oh, that could be great sanctuaries um, because also when when you save animals usually or when farms close and stuff like that, usually either the animals go to slaughter or they try to find um, sanctuaries. But then the herd is, you know. Um, uh, separated and and all that because they take most sanctuaries cannot take like you know hundred cows at once or something so they are separating families and and it's just using more resources here is kind of using the same resources and more most importantly every farm that is transitioning to a sanctuary um, is not going to be bre- continue breeding so they're not going to bring a new new babies to lives every year so we actually having a direct impact on animal exploitation by doing this because we're stopping it's, it's one less farm that's going to produce you know more of these animals in this industry so yeah that's how it all came that's amazing yeah on this channel i interviewed uh one of my friends she started a project called uh, the brave new life project in the united states where they want to help workers transition out of animal agriculture jobs into sustainable jobs and i think the long-term vision of having like a I don't say a sanctuary, but like a community where they live, they work, they do plant-based agriculture, and then everything comes together. So it's really cool how you mentioned, instead of like tearing down the system and building something new, it's kind of like merging something that exists into something better. So taking existing dairy farms and turning them into plant-based. So um, with, like, I'm sure there's an economic side of it to the dairy farmers where, um, do you want to talk a little bit about that as far as if someone is a dairy farmer listening to this, how would they make money? Would they make the same amount of money? Would they be able to sustain themselves, et cetera? Yeah, so so to be really clear, we're still totally in an experimental phase. So I cannot say everything is perfect. It works great. Come with us. That's really why we're still testing. Uh, but the, the aim is really that, that from the plant-based production, <clears throat> so it's not going to be only plant milk. It's going to be all types of dairy alternatives. So also plant cheeses and yogurts and butter, all this kind of thing you would expect from a dairy. Uh, company um, so there 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 you know possibilities to diversify as well and we're also thinking about other ways for them to get other streams of revenue um, but like we really want to focus initially on this on this production um, so it still makes sense like for them to you know move from milk to milk basically but from animals to plants and to continue producing some food because that's what really what they like 
Um, so, we, but we really want that this production um, allows them to cover all their costs, like for the sanctuary, but also for them as the farm, that it's beneficial for them. Uh, because most of farmers, it depends on the country, but most dairy farmers um, are struggling. They're really not um, just not gaining much money. It's not them who are really earning the money. It's these big dairy processors in between them and the customers. So that's also why a lot of people say, no, even if you know it, it's better to drink plant milk or something, I'm still gonna buy you know milk from the farm because I want to support my farmers. But actually, if you really want to support farmers, you need to support them, help them get out of this industry because this industry not only is exploitative to animals, but to humans as well. Most of these of this, uh, um, dairy farms um, sell for less than production cost. And in most cases, that's crazy. They work like crazy and they get nothing for it. They don't even know where the milk is going, if it's going to be sold as milk, as yogurt, as cheese or where. They don't have any control of that. And so they're just, you know, there and trying to make it more productive. That's their whole aim. And they are, and small and, and, and medium scale sales farms are really struggling the most um, because the bigger ones are now, you know, able to invest in more and more machinery because that's the only way you make money in there is, is if you get bigger and bigger because you also get more subsidies and you are able to produce more and so work with bigger dairy companies. Um, but smaller and medium scale, they just they just struggle more. Um, and so that's why lots, lots of them are actually closing down or selling the farm uh, or just struggling in, in debt, you know? So we really want to, to help them in this way that um, it gets more interesting for them, not only in the, in, on ethical and sustainable ways, but also financial ways. So we are really trying to develop this model with this in mind that we really want it to be that they don't need to do thousand other things on the side, um, that it's like the main income, uh, but we also want to allow them to have the opportunity to do other things if they would be interested in, in doing other things, but that's really the whole goal. But again, we're really still experimenting. We worked with three farms <clears throat> in 2020. Um, now we kind of pause and, and we're gonna start again with our farm in the UK. Um, following some uh, changes we made. Um, and we really want to start it from there. We, we really want to get this farm first successful uh, before we move on. And we have a, a list of other farmers that are waiting that really want to, to make the transition, but we really want to first test this model. Once that is working, we're gonna start again with all those other farmers. That's great. Yeah, I know in the US, Australia, they're working on shifting subsidies away from dairy and meat into plant-based. So is that kind of thing happening in the EU and UK right now as well? Yeah, more and more there. I, like the process, the 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 movement, uh, like the the changes from from this side is much slower. Usually, I've been in touch with people who are trying to make changes in in the parliament and things like that for more than ten years, and they only get like scraps. You know, it's it's like it's it's very it's a big lobby first of all, um, and it's just too risky for them to do that. You know, so that's why they need to see first positive change in the industry, you know, success stories and, and people wanting more of that before it really changes. So there are more and more uh, bills or things that are changed so that, you know, farmers who do things that are a bit more sustainable, more efforts towards sustainability, they, are, they get more. But usually it's very ridiculous things, you know, like you, you plant more bushes or a few more trees and that's it, you, you are more sustainable. Um, but yeah, it definitely, there are definitely a lot of people trying to push for that, lots of uh, political parties pushing for that. So it, obviously more for sustainable reasons, not for other reasons, uh, but still it, it's a good move. But again, we, if we cannot really wait for that. Uh, what's interesting though, it, again, it depends on the country, um, but in, in the cases where we were working with, with farmers, so in Switzerland and in the UK, those farmers are able to still get their subsidies, although they are not um, farming animals anymore because 
the, the subsidies are not uh, given because they, you know, with a specific goal to you need to exploit and kill the animals. That's not how it is. It's they're getting subsidies for just having farmland so depending on the size of their farm and depending on the size of the herd as well so even if they just have the animals and just have the land they still can get subsidies um, so that's also what we're trying to do is to help those farmers keep their subsidies as a, an initial income as well to continue the support then getting them um, this revenue from um, the plant milk and something as well we're trying to do is optimize their overall costs so something very important to know is that when we transition them to sanctuaries these animals are, are not needed to be more productive you know anymore so we can just switch them back to their normal food which is hay and grass they don't need all this you know supplements and and antibiotics and animal feed that cost a lot and are coming from other places in the world um, and this is like 30 percent of the cost of a farm is just animal feed the food the extra food not the the, the hay and, and, and grass that they give to these animals to make them more productive um, so by 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 changing to a sanctuary we are cutting already this 30 percent off so there are a lot of things like that we're trying to do so they they get more income from the production we re um, optimize their cost and all in one we're trying to make it yes more more profitable for the farmers. Amazing. Is there anything that you're like missing? Any obstacles or like opportunities? Like what's, if there's someone listening to this, I can help you out. Maybe someone who's already doing this in another part of the world or marketing resource, government resource. What could like we need? Yeah. What, how do we support you, the, the world? Yeah, so uh, since we, we faced a lot of challenges when we started last year, um, you know, it's like there are not much, <laughs> much models where we can inspire ourselves from. So we need to, do everything from scratch, especially like you mentioned before, we are really trying to to check all the boxes. So we are, we're not giving up on any aspect, like uh, the farmers need to transition 100%, not slowly by slowly still doing, you know, uh, animal milk and then transitioning. We, they need to, to move 100%. We really want to keep it sustainable. So we only work with local ingredients, only sell locally. This, and in glass bottle, this is, is really complicated actually for distribution and all the things. Um, and the product itself and the recipe we didn't want to because we are not transitioning farmers into huge factories we are they're becoming like small production plants and they have really small rooms so we need to make production um, able uh, that they are able to do this kind of production in such small environment so we don't have all these resources and and you know lab environment that um, those big companies have meaning we, there are lots of products we cannot use because they're for example uh, oat milk is it's actually one of the most difficult plant milk to do we didn't know that in the beginning otherwise we would not have started with oat milk uh, because it's full of starches so if you just cook it it's going to be porridge or pudding you know it, it's it's a uh, it doesn't work and you need to pasteurize the product uh, so uh, you need start you need enzymes to break down the starches into simple sugars uh, but what these big companies do they use lab-made enzymes so chemical enzymes that they just buy and use but this is actually um, something that is kind of um, dangerous to ma manipulate for, for for people that are working. So in those industries, they have really all the protection needed, the huge you know ventilators and all the things. But obviously, on a farm, we don't have that. So and we don't want to put our farmers at risk. Obviously, so we needed to find a way to get to find natural occurring enzymes directly in plants to use that to break starches. So that was really difficult. And you know, we didn't have a team of uh, of like very experienced food scientists and all these things. We really did everything from with no expertise, but but we really made it happen in, in less than one year. We got to a product, we made a first recipe and then a second one that people really love. Uh, so we are really happy about that. 
um, but yeah, we had lots of, of difficulties and also distribution it was a nightmare as well because we worked with subscription. So people would subscribe and, and get a weekly delivery in a pickup point, not at home. But you know, during a pandemic, <laughs> we were working with shops and restaurants, but there were periods where they were closing, other periods where they needed to change the hours because they were only allowed certain hours. So it was constantly changing and we were working in two different countries. So with two you know, different rules. So it really made it difficult and it was very expensive to make this di distribution. So yeah, we. so in March, I decided to pause the whole operation because I was not even able to just, you know, think about how to change that because we were, it was so time consuming to do this, you know, um, deliveries and everything for those tree farm. It, that's all we were doing all the time, the logistics distribution. We could not even think about, you know, improving the product or improving the whole model or other things. So I, I, yeah, I put a stop to it in March so that we can really reflect on what happened, how we can make it better and kind of change a little bit the model and also start raising funds uh, because until now it was self-funded. So now I'm really in this phase where I developed a new model with help of some business advisors and, and, and other people and just from the experience we had. Um, and then, um, yeah, just writing everything down, have a clear plan. And now I'm really in the phase of raising funds. So I'm talking with investors, uh, VCs. I'm also applying to grants uh, from governmental um, organizations, but also from other organizations. Um, yeah, so that's really the phase I'm in. Um, and at the same time, I'm also looking actually for a co-founder um, because until now I'm doing it all mainly myself. Uh, so I really would like to bring someone else in that would be as involved as I am, as passionate as I am about this and that can really help us, you know, take reform to the next level. So I'm really kind of in this strange phase where you're, everything is a bit, uh, we don't really know when it's going to start again and all that. Um, but yeah, and that, then at some point I will rebuild the whole team. Um, so I'm going to be different, looking for different, um, different people, obviously food scientists, but also, um, yes, like you said, in, in marketing sales distribution, um, but yeah, we, we really will take it a bit slower than last year because, uh, yeah, first year starting with three farms, uh, in two countries is a bit, was not the best plan. So now we're really going to focus on the UK, not, you know, <clears throat> going anywhere where farmers want to first. Um, so it's going to be much easier and then only working in other countries. So mainly, yeah, for us, um, it's funds. So if you know investors, if you know people that might be interested, please redirect them to us. Um, if anybody would be interested um, to join the team as a co-founder or really can bring some kind of experience, either being it in farming, agriculture, or in business, this kind of things um, would, would be great to have that on the team. Yeah, then just uh, reach out, that would be great. Definitely, typical startup mode where you get the first model down and then you get past that hurdle and new problems come, but it's easier. So I'm really excited to see the first model go through. You know, when you mentioned funding, I interviewed Akil von Dursun here. I found him on the Devolution website, which is yeah. kind, of, kind of funny because either you sent me the connection request on LinkedIn or I sent it to you as like the suggested people we know. And then I messaged you, we scheduled the interview. Then I see on my newsfeed with Devolution or I go to their website and I saw your advertisement yeah. for the co-founder position on there. So yeah. looks like you're going to the right places. Is yeah. there any, uh, I guess, final things you want to share to people or anything else you want to say before we let them know about your website? Um, well, because we're also still very at the start. We're very um, <coughs> yeah, just learning, obviously. So we're really happy about any kind of feedback, for example, to know really what people are, are looking for in terms, for example, of how do they get will want to get their milk? Would they prefer it at home? Is, or they like it in shops? 
uh, what kind of milk they like, you know, what are important for people so we really make the right decision because we're still, you know, trying to find out what the best distribution channel is, for example. Um, or, for example, we also the, the first milk we had was a natural milk, if I can say so. Now we, we want to work on a barista version and a fortified version because we had lots of requests for that. So that's also important for us to get all this feedback to, you know, to know how people use it, where they use it, you know, so that we make the right decision and can can get it, um, make it accessible to as many people um, as possible. So yeah, any any feedback, ideas? We're really in in the in the beginning of all this, so we're really yeah looking for any help or anything of this. We you know we don't pretend to be experts on anything. We're really learning. So uh, it's we really want to be like a, a company that is driven by by the people and 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 so to make the decisions upon that so yeah any feedback get in touch <laughs> definitely you know when you were speaking before you said the feedback i think to myself i want to do the natural milk and kind of shifting back to the purpose of creating a vegan world a bigger picture is so many people have the belief they get their vitamin d from milk their calcium from milk so i guess the fortified thing like that is one of the obstacles of as opposed to waking people up about the marketing message about the dairy industry which is another story in itself. So um, for people that want to give you this feedback or invest with you, partner with you, work with you, what's your website? Yeah, so our ref- website is just refarm.com. So it's refarm without the second E. Um, we are also on Instagram at refarmedofficial, Facebook re- at refarmed, um, and just otherwise my, my email is just Geraldine, my name um, at refarm.com. Great. I'll put all the links in the description if I post this on YouTube or Facebook. So mm-hmm. thank you for taking the time for the interview. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 